When threatened, we typically respond in one of three ways, fight, flight, or freeze. Imagine you come around a corner and see a big female bear and her cubs. What's your first reaction? What if that big female bear starts walking towards you on her two hind legs? Coming face to face with an intimidating black bear, brown bear, polar bear, koala bear. Okay, maybe not the koala bear, but our reaction to most things that cause fear are to respond with one of the three Fs. Threats, both imagined and physical, take many forms, but they are all very real. Welcome back to the Adventure Almanac. Stories about adventure and what we learn along the way. Today's episode is about Takamure Itsue and a fourth option for responding to fear, change. 1918 was a difficult year. It was the last year of the First World War. The flu pandemic was raging across the world and spiking inflation caused violent rice riots across Japan. Takamure was 24 years old and was aware of the world around her, but that didn't change how she felt. She felt stuck. She believed that there was nothing in the world more painful than stagnating. Her response to the threat of stagnation was to flee. With nothing to lose, she left home for six months on a 900-mile journey in search of meaning. She didn't know why she needed to leave, but with 10 yen and the promise to write articles for the newspaper, she felt that a reckless adventure into the unknown was better than standing still. Are you ready for an adventure? All right now, let's go. Bring on the challenge, she told herself. Life and death are of no concern. She held onto these thoughts as she looked for a place to sleep on the first night of her journey. Her face flushed red with shyness and she could barely bring her hands to knock on the stranger's door. Her straw hat hung low to hide her embarrassment. She was consumed by doubt, by fear, by exhaustion. Her legs were in pain, her chest was in pain. She cried for her parents and worried about what would happen next. She wore her white kimono, the pilgrim's hat, white toe socks, and uncomfortable straw sandals. In her shoulder bag, she packed her rain gear, a change of clothes, paper, ink, and books. And then she picked up her pilgrim staff and resumed walking. All around her, people were skeptical of a cute, short-haired girl on a pilgrimage. They told her she'd get hurt if she traveled at night, she'd get sick, she needed more money, and that she shouldn't travel alone. It was hot, and she could no longer tell the difference between sweat and the rain soaking her clothes. Maybe that's why the one-eyed 73-year-old man refused to let her travel alone. He was kind to let her stay at his home, but between the steady stream of visitors coming by to meet her and the lack of movement, she was growing restless. She had traveled a week's journey by foot, but she had been delayed a month at the old man's house. To escape the village, she climbed the grassy hills to the top of a nearby mountain. From here, she looked towards her home in Kumamoto and across the ocean to Shikoku. She found relief standing on top of the mountain watching the sunset, but life was too short to stand still. Finally, on a hot July morning, they left. The old man carried her luggage and she carried her bag. She still didn't even know how to tie her sandals on properly, so the old man had to bend down and tie them for her. They climbed aboard a rickshaw and then a steam train to Oita, and then caught a ferry to the island of Shikoku, the fourth largest island in Japan. At long last, she could start the pilgrimage. They immediately set off towards Temple 43 and decided to travel the route in reverse order. Traveling counterclockwise was more difficult. They said it was three times as hard. They started walking, but before long, they found out that they were already going the wrong way. It wasn't the lucky start that they had hoped for. The trail was steep and the heat was unbearable. 
The first summit felt impossible, but frustration turned to joy on the downhill. There was a nice breeze and Takamore's steps felt lighter as she descended. Impossibility turned into possibility as she felt the freedom of the trail. They came upon a beautiful spring and shady trees, the perfect place to rest, and before she knew it, she fell fast asleep. When she woke up, they descended the trail in silence. The sun set and a pale crescent moon rose in the sky. It was the first official day of their pilgrimage and they were already ignoring the warnings about traveling at night. They were surrounded by wilderness and too tired to continue walking, so they finally stopped to make camp. In the middle of the night, she jolted awake. It was dark and she was terrified. Bugs were crawling all over her hands, feet, and face. She stifled a scream and wanted to cry. She was soaking wet and covered in bugs. There was no way she could sleep like this. She clutched her knees and sat up all night, swatting bugs and jumping at every strange sound in the distance. In the morning, they continued walking, and she was beyond tired. She leaned heavily on her staff as they followed the mountain path. When they reached Temple 43, it was a bit anticlimactic. There was no celebration or sense of accomplishment. They said a few prayers and turned around and walked the moonlit path back down the mountain. Again, they'd found themselves traveling at night. They climbed a rocky trail up another mountain until they found a small hut where they could rest. They sat down on a bench outside and Takamure was so tired that she fell asleep immediately. When she woke up at 5 a.m. and crawled to the nearby spring to wash her face, it began to rain. What else could she do but pick herself up and start walking? In the soft morning light, she noticed bright red strawberries growing alongside the trail. And although she was covered in sweat and soaked with rain again, she found herself gleefully looking for more strawberries. As she searched for strawberries, she noticed the beautiful flowers along the trail, and somehow she kept moving forward. After temples 42 and 41, a kind man allowed them to stay in his home while it rained nonstop for two days. It felt like typhoon season was starting early this year. They continued their journey to temples 40 and 39. Down ravines and over summits, there were long days of silent travel. Through the wind and the rain and up steep mountain slopes, they walked as long as her legs would carry her. Without food or sleep, some days felt like dreams. They crossed rivers and followed narrow trails. Up and down mountains and up and down valleys they walked. Sometimes they crawled on all fours up steep trails in the moonlight. Wherever they went, people were surprised by her and the old man. They questioned why they were on the pilgrimage. They reminded her that it wasn't safe. She didn't need the reminder. There were graves along the path and a constant stream of stories about people drowning in flooded rivers. Some people assumed that she was special, maybe even divine. She knew that she was just a lonely lost person trying to find her way in life. In the evenings, the mountains turned the color of crimson in the setting sun. Most nights it rained, but on clear nights the sky was a white darkness lit by the infinite stars of the Milky Way. Some nights she didn't sleep. Other nights she was so tired that she fell asleep with her sandals on. She oscillated between being lost in her thoughts and trying to distract herself with silly songs or reading while she walked. Despite getting rid of almost all of her possessions, the heat made every hill a challenge. And the rain. Temple 37, rain. Temple 36, rain. Temple 34, 33, more rain, more rain. At times there was so much water rushing down the mountain that they couldn't move up or down. They walked for another month and visited 10 temples. They begged for food and lodging and sometimes people took them in and helped. Although they were pilgrims with no money, 
begging technically made them criminals. Begging was illegal. It was strange to be perceived as both a saint and a sinner. They were surrounded by other pilgrims and often slept in barns and shared dirty rooms with large groups of people. In the same rooms, there were also fortune tellers, charlatans, and thieves trying to take advantage of the weak. Takamure realized that there were two types of people in the world, the spiritual and the material. There are far more material people in the world than spiritual, she thought. Although most people on the pilgrims were seeking cures for incurable diseases or hoping to change their bad luck, all anyone seemed to talk about was money, how little they had and how much they needed. Between violent storms, they headed north along the east coast. They passed temples 32 through 27. Along the way, they camped in beautiful pine groves and stayed in hopeless towns. Next up were temples 26, 25, and 24. Another month passed and it rained so much that an entire town was washed away by a flooded river. They walked and walked and visited temples 23, 22, and on to temple 19. Some people started to recognize her as the famous writer, or were convinced she was a saint. For the next 70 miles, she hiked at full speed. She climbed thousands of feet of elevation and covered 25 miles a day. Through rainstorms and the heat and humidity of an oppressive Japanese September, she pushed forward. Every day she felt like she was on the verge of madness. Every night, fatigue and exhaustion wrapped her body like a thick fog rolling in from the ocean. She walked over white sand dunes and under green pine trees and through dark brown mud. They visited temples 18, 17, 16, on and on until she finally reached Temple 1. As she walked, summer began to transition to fall. Takamure felt the change in nature all around her. She noticed the sounds of the buzzing insects and felt the coolness of new breezes. However, the rainy, muddy slopes to the temples were unchanging. Temples 88 and 87 marked the halfway point around the island. She felt joy as she climbed Mount Yakuri, barefoot in the rain. With each step, she slipped and flailed wildly like she was about to fall, but she made it to Temple 85. At the top of the mountain, the world swirled around her in a haze of clouds and rain. She felt like she was resting on a floating island in a dream that kept dissolving and reappearing. Down the slippery trail, past villages and salt fields, and back up the steep slopes of Mount Yasima to Temple 84 and back down again, she continued on. They passed many people traveling in the opposite direction. They asked the other pilgrims, how much further? The answer was always a couple of miles, a couple more miles. The path was endless with only mountains, rivers, and the setting sun for company. They continued down the trail past Temples 83 through 78. They were now heading west and could watch the sun slowly melt into the dark blue-black of the ocean. Even though it was illegal, the old man begged for food and places to stay. Somehow they found the strength to continue. Days blurred together from Temple 77 down to 67. They walked along the unchanging ocean and passed through identical villages. They visited another 15 temples by mid-October and then turned inland and headed south. They were on the verge of completing the loop. Change was in the air. Rice paper windows flapped with the final gasps of summer breezes. Although she didn't feel any more comfortable in the journey, she couldn't deny her progress. At Temple 51, there was graffiti on the wall that said, so-and-so was here. Classic. She was not concerned with leaving her mark on the wall. She had made her mark with articles for the newspaper. 
there were only seven temples left to visit, and then her pilgrimage would be complete. The miles melted away with the rain and the memories of temples 50 through 46. At times, the rain and the mud in their body were all that she could see. Yet, she felt pleased. The journey felt like a dream. It felt like she left home yesterday or an eternity ago. She could no longer tell the difference. And on to Temple 45 and 44. She did it. The long hike was over. She was overcome by both dread and delight. It was another month before she reached home. Takamure survived the journey and even a case of the Spanish flu. It was a revolutionary adventure in many ways, and her memories of the pilgrimage stayed with her for the rest of her life. She learned not to fear fate or death. She learned acceptance, and that the world spins round and round with many ups and downs. No one knows the future, so why be afraid of what's unknown? Through her difficult adventure, she learned that she is afraid of the status quo, and that she must fight for change. She believed that the education system of Japan was too narrow-minded and Japanese women throughout history had been stronger and were stronger than anyone realized. She confronted her fear of stagnation with love and action. She resolved to accept her fears, change her world, and face her imagined fears without fleeing or freezing ever again. After the long hike, Takamure used her celebrity from publishing 105 articles to become a writer, a poet, a historian, an activist, and a feminist that denounced the traditional views of Japanese women and sought to redefine women's rights in society. She was a controversial figure in 1918 and still is today. This episode was researched, written, and produced by the team at Adventure Nerds. Original music for this episode was written and performed by Christopher Esther. You can find more of Christopher's work on YouTube or by clicking the link in the episode notes. Thanks, Christopher. And thank you for listening to our story. Until next time, be curious and choose adventure. What article of clothing best represents your personality? <laughs>